Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, January 3rd, 2022. I'm sorry, it's February 3rd, 2023. Lost a year and a month there. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say Start Here, located in the upper left-hand corner, It will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? That chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using for over 18 years to great effect to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy as often as you'd like and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives when they apply these tools in their lives. It also tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of that to share with us, please give us a call, 563-999-3581. 
when you call that number, if you press one on your phone, it will let you download, or it will uh, put the icon of a hand by your phone number, and I'll see that and turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention with this work is to be a service. And as I just mentioned, it's far easier to be a service when we know what would best serve you. How is it landing for you as we've chosen to do the worksheets we've done this year or how might we assist you in learning how to apply these powerful tools more actively in your life and or as someone was asking yesterday, how do I apply it in a specific situation? And when people... Uh, uh, give us those leads, the, the benefit of that insight, it makes it far easier for us to be of assistance. So we're sitting here on a Friday morning. We had our support group last night. And we had... Um, a small group again, you know, small, small but mighty, and we listened to um, a large part of a video about a pre-life experience, and I felt comfortable doing that because I listened to it in advance, and it was just fully centered on our true nature as love. And we don't need to argue or get into debate about whether or not we we do have pre-life experiences or incarnation. We just want to understand that every message that we can experience at deeper and deeper levels about our true nature being love and about how there's nothing to be afraid of we want to um, explore those messages. So this was uh, on YouTube. It's called Pre-Birth Experience, Life Before Incarnation, and Why We Come to Earth with Christian Sundberg, S-U-N-D as in dog, B as in boy, E-R-G. And... I recommend it just because it's so positive, it's so loving. I know that there will be people that could possibly watch that and get triggered because it doesn't matter what we're doing, we might get triggered to upset. And yet, um, when it's specifically focused on such a loving message, I think it's safe to spread it around and... If you happen to explore that and want to comment, I'm, I'm all ears. Or you can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n.org. So, what are your comments? What are your questions? How did you, if you were here yesterday, how did you experience the worksheet that Susan did? 
Do you have comments or questions about the worksheet process or how to apply it in your life? If so, give us a call. I've had um, a number of people I've worked with recently who are going through very, very difficult things. Everything from physical health problems of their own, physical health problems of people they love, divorce they don't want, financial issues, job loss, hospitalizations for themselves or their loved ones. And what I find most valuable is, for me, for my work, my processing, is choosing for joy, for love, for positivity, for optimism. And I I understand I've had times in my own life where that's been very difficult to do. I understand that there are times when people can't make that shift in their own thinking. Um, And that's when I like to try and support people in just writing it out. And some people like to use the phrase, fake it until you make it. But I prefer things like just keep using the tools and um, and let life show you you know have the, the 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 willingness to step into whatever life is providing with the understanding that it doesn't help me to fight against life as it's unfolding if it did i'd say okay Let's argue about it. Let's fight against this. Let's let's do something that uh, that might let us change the things in life that we don't like. But since I don't have a way to change most of those things in my life that I don't like, they aren't under my control, it seems most useful for me to turn the focus inside myself, which is where I'll find the only things I have control over in this life, and exercise that control. Shift my focus, pick up a tool, choose for love, etc. And as I do that, and my life improves, I just do more of it. If I do that and my life gets worse, I think, well, I better get a different different approach. I, I tend to try to, to be results-oriented and um, continually rework my life to what seems to work for me. One of the things that many people in my private practice here in psychology run into is they they have, I had this with a woman yesterday who has an adult son, and she has this absolute belief that she knows what her son should be doing to make his life better. And so... Um, 
we began with the Power Struggle Handbook and reviewing that, which basically says, you know, based on my observation that I can't make anybody do anything they don't want to do, the only thing that makes sense once I, you know, realize that's the kind of world I'm living in where I can't make somebody do something they don't want to do, what makes sense is for me to focus my energy and attention on things that I actually have control over. And then make sure that when I plan to do something, everything I plan to do follows four rules, beginning with everything I plan to do is limited to those things that I actually can do physically, mentally, emotionally, legally, etc. The next rule that I want everything to follow if I'm going to you know, plan to do it is it's going to be something I can do that I will do. So I physically, mentally, legally, and emotionally can do it, and I'm willing to do it and deal with the consequences of doing it. So I will follow through and do it. The next rule is everything I plan to do must be something that I can do without strong emotion, that I can do it willing to face the consequences without acting from a strong emotion, too positive or too negative, too intense, either way. And once I make sure that it's followed those first three rules, then I evaluate whatever I plan to do based on the fourth rule, which is everything I plan to do is something that's not designed to get somebody else outside of me to change because that's a whole range of things I have no control over. It's something that's designed to make my life more safe, more sane, more livable, regardless of what the people around me choose to do. And if I begin my process of looking for a solution to whatever problem I say I have in my life with that model, that power struggle model in mind, I'm ahead of the game. I'm already ahead of the game. I'm focusing on things I have control over. I'm focusing on things I can do and I will do, things I can do without strong emotion, and things I will do not to try and change somebody else, not to accidentally shift the focus of my attention over to things I have no control over, but to make sure I specifically design what I'm going to do based on things I have control over to make my life better, more safe, more sane, more livable, regardless of what the people around me choose to do. And as people who've worked with this model for years realize, it doesn't mean I instantly get everything I want out of life. It does, however, mean that I will get more of what I can get with a lot less frustration. And for me, that's a win right off the bat. I feel less frustrated because I start focusing on things I actually have control over. And 
one of the best ways I know to get more and more frustrated is to just keep focusing my mind energy on things I don't have any control over. Once I do that, now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the situation at a conscious logical level and I'm assuming, okay, I don't like this, I want this to change, but I can't change that, so here's what I will do. Here are the things I have control over that I will change to make my life more safe, more sane, and more livable. Now when I step into doing one of those things, I realize I've got a strong negative emotion active. That's when I pick up a worksheet process and or the EFT tapping. That's when I step into the realization that, oh, I think I'm focusing on things I have control over, but when I feel this strong negative emotion, that's an indication for me that my thoughts are off the mark, that I've somehow mistakenly labeled something as being under my control when it's not. And once I dismantle that negative emotion, once I become clear about what it is that I'm doing with my mind energy to create that negative emotion and I dismantle it, now clarity begins to get restored. Now I've got options I didn't have before. I see a broader field of view, I see different options, and I'm ready to start exploring them willingly with a clear clear eye or, you know, um, filter a clear view and feeling calm and centered which is one of the indicators that I look for to let me know that I'm operating from insight and intuition rather than what David Bohm would call sustained incoherence that idea of continually doing something that causes a problem and then thinking if I keep doing it, the problem will go away. So once I'm in that mode, I'm either doing EFT tapping or I'm doing the reality management worksheet and I'm making sure that I'm keeping my my focus on the things I can do, I will do, I can do without strong emotion, and I do them specifically to make my life better regardless of the other factors in life that are beyond my control, now I start putting together a pattern of responses to my life situation that end up being productive. And I can reframe things that minutes before or, or hours before I was thinking this is horrible, this is tragic. That's one of the things that comes out of that video about the pre-life experience is that it has me thinking about this this experience I'm having on earth as a part of a bigger experience of my true self, my capital S self. And and I I understand that from that reframe, from the perspective of, hey, this is just 
a fraction of a blink of an eye for my true self, instantly I'm less panicked. I don't I don't take everything as seriously. And when I do that with people on a regular basis, the benefits are many and and lasting. And we help people put together an action plan that involves usually that maintaining the focus on the internal work. And we did a lot of this work last year with the Way of Mastery where it says from the very beginning, in the fifth page it says, the beginning of awakening in this path is to recognize that I don't experience anything that is not my own choosing. Now, that doesn't mean I control the whole flow of life and energy and weather in my area and the stock market, but I control, whether I realize it or not, I create and control my response to those life events. And for most of us, that's, you know, it's been pre-programmed into us and it's a very strong, powerful pattern of thought and negativity and As Abraham would say, it has a lot of momentum behind it. And it's not easy to shift. If I grew up with people that were nasty and negative and abusive, if I grew up in a pattern of life and friends where, you know, my my view of the world is that it's hard and no matter what happens, it's a negative in my life, I will have practiced that pattern of thought to the point where it's, got a lot of momentum and it's very strong and it's very difficult for me to shift it. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but it does mean it's going to be more work than for somebody who grew up in a house where they were loved and nurtured and supported and the people had uh, lots and lots of positivity modeled for them. And So I understand that some of us are far more fortunate than others in terms of that conditioning, in terms of understanding about how to shift my focus from a negative to a positive, reframing things, etc. And some people seem to do it almost naturally. Some people just seem to have a more uh, buoyant and optimistic outlook in life than others. And I count myself as fortunate for the, you know, I I often say when it comes to parents, I won the lottery. And and I've worked with a lot of people over the last 48 and a half years who didn't and who basically lose at almost every turn in terms of their family of origin and their siblings and their aunts and uncles and the traumas that they experienced at the hands of people who are supposed to be loving and caring for them. And of course, if that's the case, 
it's going to be much more difficult for those people to do the reframe, to choose positivity. Perhaps even it may be far more difficult for them to get uh, any benefit out of a video like this pre-life experience video with Christian Sundberg. And yet, just because it's more difficult doesn't mean it's impossible. At least that's what I hold for all of us, that there are options, there are possibilities, there are benefits to reframing things. And I hold that for people because I've experienced it myself and I've been with so many people over the years who have experienced it and because it's just a more optimistic, hopeful position to hold than the doom and gloom position. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581. We've got about 35 minutes left. If somebody wants to do a worksheet or comment on the work that's been done so far this week or ask me a question about the power struggle model or how to blend that with EFT tapping and the reality management worksheets, give us a call, 563-999-3581. Or if you don't want to call, send an email, tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. It should show up and let me know it's there. Even in the middle of a show, I might get the notification and open the email, answer your question without having to identify you if that's your if that's your preference. I had somebody in the office a while ago and I talked about how last year I couldn't have done a worksheet on the divorce I didn't want. I couldn't have done it live on the air. And yet last week I did. And I was mentioning that that is this hopeful thing, that for almost 20 years since that event happened, I couldn't imagine myself having the freedom and the flexibility to to, to work through a worksheet like I did last week live on the air without breaking down or without going into a rage or without, you know, crying so hard I couldn't talk, etc. And yet, because I've been doing a lot of this work for all these years, I actually got to that point. It kind of surprised me that when that came up with the EFT tapping from another worksheet that I just flowed right into doing that worksheet. So I offered that to somebody as a hopeful thing. And the response was, oh, my God, I've never heard anything more depressing in my life. Do you mean to tell me I'm going to have to work on this for 20 years before I get over this? <laughs> uh, and I thought, well, that's, that's, that's a powerful example about how we each put our own spin on things. Here I was offering something that I thought was optimistic and hopeful, and this person's take on it was how depressing. So, so please understand everything we try to offer on 
in the MindShifter support groups and on MindShifter Radio is intended to be uplifting and positive. If it strikes you as something other than that, that wasn't the intent. And we'd be happy to discuss it with you and or share with you how our take on it is so different than yours uh, and or help you see our perspective or have you help us see your perspective. Uh, just so long as we understand that the intention with this work, just like with the Way of Mastery and the Course in Miracles, uh, the intention is always to choose for love. The intention is to be of benefit to everyone we interact with all the time. It doesn't happen every time, and yet the more we keep that intention top of mind in our focus, the greater the probability that we'll eventually live into it. At least that's what I'm holding. That's what I'm holding for us, each and every one of us. So how is this landing with you? What? What would you like to explore or discuss or one of the things that I appreciated about the pre-life experience video was that the individual Christian who is giving the talk, he's being interviewed, he's quite humble, he considers himself just an ordinary person, he's not... He's not presenting this as though he's gotten some kind of huge enlightenment that that we don't have. And he even talked about um, getting it wrong and having a trauma in his life in his 20s and you know the the usual stuff and and being very afraid because that's one of the things he talks about that he's here to help himself learn to live with the fear not live in a way that's fearless without any fear but to learn to stay loving even as the energy of fear is present in his mind which you know at several different points in the video I thought this is just very much in line with Dr. Michael Rice's work and the idea that healing happens when something less than love is brought into the conscious active presence of love and um, it's essentially the very same message that I took from the pre-life experience video with Christian and the second time I listened to that it's like an hour and 13 minute video the second time I listened to it I realized that my memories of my experience as a young child up into the single digits are far more similar to Christian's message than it is similar to anything my my siblings would talk about or my friends from grade school would talk about. 
so it, it it's piqued my curiosity that um, perhaps I remembered more in my single-digit years about this message, about our true nature as love, about our source energy as being benevolent and compassionate, and about our purpose for being here, being loving. Perhaps I remembered more of that as a child than I remember, than I do now, or that I I did after uh, indoctrination in school and, and other not-so-pleasant life experiences. Michael Rice, in several of his talks, has talked about that as he'll ask the question, how many of you remember that when you were young, you you knew that life wasn't supposed to be this angry, bitter, hurtful, resentful hodgepodge. It was supposed we're supposed to be loving each other. That's why we're here. And occasionally, in that, when I would hear him do that lecture, I would raise my hand because I have I have this faint memory of that. But the more I listened to the uh, pre-life experience interview the more it seemed more solid to me the more that seemed to resonate with the same kinds of words and phrases that he was using in the interview so I will continue to explore that maybe watch that video a few more times and see what what develops for me as either memory or as emotional experiences. And I just had the thought that it would probably benefit me to do a worksheet on the sadness that I can imagine I would have felt at four or five years old when I began to realize that other people didn't share my, I'll call it a knowing, about what life was supposed to be like. So, I will put that on a worksheet. And what seems easiest for me is to just pull up the app on the phone and I'll use the um the one at the top I just clicked is the abbreviated worksheet. So I Tim who am love have through denial trained my carbon-based memory to show me the lie that my feelings and my giving up the experience of my awareness of my essence of love are caused by my trigger. And I will say the people around me, people around me, 
and they're being, I'll use the kind of word I would have used as a child, nasty and angry. My feelings resonated by this situation, hostility and fear, all come from internal corrupt data. My feeling is sadness. My thought that caused my sadness is it's not supposed to be this way. supposed to be loving it's supposed to be loving and I want to punish or avoid by just checking out I'm just going to say you know distancing checking out distancing I would just, and I remember this very clearly, I would just want to get away from anybody who wasn't loving. When I hit next on the app, it takes me to a page where it says, I choose to honor truth and willingly go through the physical, the mental, and the emotional symptoms of healing. I breathe into that. And I recognize that there might be some tears. I can feel some emotion already coming up in me. The next step is step three. I want, and I want to state in positive words, my exact goal for the people around me. I want people to live in the realization that we are all love. We are all love and connected. so that I can easily keep my focus on love. Keep my focus on love and joy. I'm having a little bit of difficulty typing, uh, so excuse the pause here. Keep my focus on love and joy. And that would be the key there for me, that it would be easier for me to do that because ostensibly, uh, theoretically, it should be possible for me to keep my focus on love and joy even if other people around me are angry and sad and hurt. Step four in the worksheet says, I choose to connect my original being of love. So in this one, I put check mark in that box and I put my hand over my heart space and I think about the way it felt for me as a four- and five-year-old. I've got some beautiful family pictures of me and 
some of those smiles on my face were just radiant. I imagine that at the times that was happening, I was still connected to that energy. So I breathe into that, and I feel the shift away from the sadness to that loving energy. And now I'm on step five in the abbreviated worksheet. It says, in order to collapse my false reality and be liberated from my hostility and fear, and to be able to maintain awareness of myself as love and see the truth about me and my object of attention, I cancel my goal for the people around me to live in the realization that we are all love and connected. And I invite Ruka, which is this elemental force in every one of us that's there to break off the effects of our errors in thought and guide us to truth and happiness if we just ask it to. I'm going to ask Ruka to incline me toward healing, to restore me to my original awareness of my nature as love, to assist me in keeping the truth of myself as love, conscious, active, and present, and to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove anything that's less than love from my mind. And then I just do this forgiveness pattern, breathing, softening, allowing, feeling myself as the adult today, feeling myself as a four-year-old or five-year-old, and I just breathe and soften and say to myself, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal on this worksheet for people to live in the realization that we are all love and connected. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this sadness in this worksheet. And I put my conscious logical mind aside for now and I just breathe and soften and ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this sadness. And I trust that anything that comes into my mind is perfectly safe for me to see and that it will be, through the law of resonance, connected to what I need to see to begin to heal here and move forward. I just breathe and soften and allow. And I breathe and I soften. I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet. I put my conscious logical mind on the side for now. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this sadness. And I just remember just a flood of different times in my life four and five years old, where all I wanted to do was play, all I wanted to do was give people hugs, 
all I wanted to do was feel connected and safe, which I did most of the time in my in my family. And then I just flood on some memories of the regular sibling conflicts I would have. There were four of us in the family. We were all about 18 months apart, and I'm the second in line. So I had two younger sisters that I would frequently get irritated with. I had an older brother who wasn't always doing what I I wanted him to do. And so I breathe and soften and realize it just feels like a wheel spinning, all these different images. There's no deep shift right now. I just feel like it's spinning, so I'm going to take a breath and slowly let it out. And scan my body and notice what I'm feeling most prominently right now. I'm going to say I'm feeling blank, like I've gone a bit unconscious here. And about the situation, I see just a series of times that I felt loving and times that I felt irritated. I saw both. A series of times that I felt loved. I felt the love and times that I felt irritated. And then I asked to be shown a time when I have violated the goal. Well, it's already happening. I'm seeing a whole series of times when I have violated the goal for living in the realization that we are all love and connected. And I'll just put here some of those times from childhood that just flashed in my mind. And when I hit next, I get to step seven. Step seven says... People around me, I acknowledge us for creating truth and perfect love. And I'm going to write a goal based on this issue that I'm willing to set for the people around me. Well, this is fairly straightforward for me since I went blank in this one. I'm writing here three more worksheets today since I know I will have time to be able to make that happen and a round of EFT tapping on the sadness. And I will have to count that as a successful worksheet. since I shifted from sadness to just going blank, feeling that unconscious spinning, which lets me know, because of my past experience as well, that if I keep doing worksheets on this, it'll open up something else. I just need to be willing to keep repeating the process. 
and then I send it to myself through an email, and that's another worksheet completed. So we've got about 11 minutes left, 563-999-3581. Comments, questions are welcome. Just noticed my breathing was getting tight, so I'm just going to soften a little bit here. Actually, do some EFT tapping while I'm on the show since nobody's raised a hand yet. 563 999 3581, area code 904. You're in the air. Who do we have? Yeah, hi, uh, Dr. Kim. This is Dusty. And, Welcome, uh, Dusty. Well, thank you very much. I I appreciate your show, yours and Michael's, being the whole the whole shebang there. Um, and I especially appreciate the um, um, I don't know. You just you have a very uh, easy way of delivering this uh, material. And in the process, you said that as a child you kind of hit the lottery. I'm assuming that that was a a loving more or less loving household. Yes, we didn't. We weren't rich, but we weren't poor, and it was very, very good parents, mom and dad, both very loving and attentive, and good personal boundaries, intelligent. Yes, right. I, I won the lottery oh. when it comes to parents. <laughs> good for you. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I've noticed a pattern my whole life, and um, and it's just a pattern. It's not an absolute. Um, I'm not trying to make it that. But that I've noticed, and maybe because I am one, but uh, that uh, typically ch- children and you know, uh, young people that have um, grown up in incredible hardships, but work their way through them turn out to be the uh, the richest. I mean, even when I was in my 20s, I always thought they were the most fun people to talk to because there was some depth there that, oh, I know some other people who are born in, and I'm, I'm not trying to, uh, uh, you know, badmouth any of these particular situations, but like born into, uh, let's just say, lots of, lots of money and blah, 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 and they don't have as much empathy. I mean, have you found that, that the, uh, those that were, you know, grew up kind of tortured in a survival mode but made it through have a little something that uh, you usually don't come across? Beth? Well, you know, it, I have this, uh, somewhat unique perspective being uh, a licensed clinical psychologist now with um, 48 and a half years of experience doing therapy and the first mm-hmm. thing I would say there is that many many people who came from adversity ended up being people who create more pain, suffering, and adversity. Okay, yes. And, and, and 
some people who come through adversity turn out to be a major light in the world. And they have more empathy, as you're talking about. And they they devote themselves to making sure that they don't create pain and suffering for people, that they they are on a crusade to end suffering. So it works both ways. And I, I think if you say the statement that you made, you're just focusing on one small part of the equation. I was trying not to, but okay, I, it's, yeah, gotcha. Right, it isn't yeah. the pain and suffering that leads people to a better life. It's what people no, choose to do. It's, 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 it's the internal resources that people are born with and how they choose to apply them that can allow them to grow through those difficult situations and yet many people don't grow through them they shut down they get embittered they pass it along so i just wanted to specify you know there's it's not a cause and effect relationship that's that simple no and i and i understand that and that's why i said in general pat i mean patch patterns because i know there's always i don't know it seems to me about anything i could ever say about uh, patterning in people, uh, you can turn right around and find an exception to that. Exactly. And that's why, yeah. you know, talking so much about the patterns isn't as useful to me as talking about my experience. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I guess I'm, I'm overlapping the two a little bit. But the fact that you, you came from this, uh, loving thing and it seems that you have a, a really neat way of bringing that out into the world or making it available however helping others um, is uh, just a beautiful thing I think well it's 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 fortunate I'm, I'm glad you think it's beautiful I and mean, we had somebody on the call not too many days ago who said wait a minute how did you end up in therapy if you had, you know, doing, uh, being a therapist, if you had such a good childhood? I thought only traumatized people <laughs> went into therapy. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, it, it, people make those assumptions, but they're just, you know, general patterns. They aren't true for a lot of people. And I remember not too many years ago, four or five years ago, we were doing the Internet show and some series of videos I was watching, and one of them was uh, a, a physicist who was interviewed by uh, Krista Tippett, and uh, she's one of my favorite uh, interviewers, and she was interviewing this physicist, and and he said, here's one of the problems in our lives, right? We we We... We think that when we learn something and we have a deep truth, that that's all there is. And he said, what we understand both from physics and from spirituality and and um, philosophy is one of the core features of any deep truth, any really solid deep truth, is that its opposite is also true. Hmm. Let Whoops. that sink in for a minute. 
just let that yeah, sink in. And and and, and, and then he went. Yeah. Well, but but it. it just and then he went on to give an example from physics. He said for years we had all of these mm-hmm. arguments raging, and people would be chest pumping and thumping about, you know, I have the proof, I've done the research, I know that light is a particle, and then other people would say, I have the proof, I know light is a wave, and then eventually they delivered, they discovered and developed the. Um, instrumentation which allowed them to understand that under certain conditions light functions like a wave and under certain conditions it functions like a particle they're both true right yeah yeah now I don't know the absolute Um, truth of it I just know that he said in that interview one of the traits that helps us understand a deep truth is that its opposite is also true well, think about it. We're all separate, but we're all connected. Right. Through the physics, through the quantum physics, we understand everything is energy. These things that we walk around in as bodies are just energy. So at one level, we can clearly do experiments that demonstrate that my body is separate from yours, etc. At another level, they're developing more and more of this instrumentation to let us see everything's energy and all energy is connected. Right. Uh, and, and I know you're about to run out of time, but I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, can you give me an example of a, a deep positive truth in the flip side? Just any, any pops to your mind? I mean, a yeah. deep positive truth it. and its flip side? You mean other than the, the two I just gave you? You said there's the, the opposite exists. I mean, you were quoting that guy. The opposite well, exists. The opposite is also true. Yeah, and so I'm. I guess I'm asking, uh, and, and I get the I get the concept and all that, and I and et cetera, and it feels right. And I'm just wondering uh, if you have just an example that comes off the top of your head there that might illustrate that. Okay, the the one that started with is the one I would come back to. That you you were trying okay. to say that your your life experience is that. You know, the people who've been through a really rough, uh, adverse time in their childhood are the most interesting, delightful people to be with. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, right. I the opposite, the opposite is also true. true. Some of the people who've been through the most adversity in their childhood are people that are just miserable and they spread the misery. Now, they're only doing the best they can with the resources they have, but that's, that's the one I would give you. Okay, I I got you right. Okay, yeah, I I've certainly seen that, and um, I appreciate it. And I think I don't want to run you right out of time here, but I, uh, I appreciate your responses. Um, uh, you are very welcome and, and deserving. I will mute you so you can listen into the second hour. Thank you for uh, the comment and question and raising your hand. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Appreciate it. Good question. Yeah, and I don't know uh, how it worked out, but he had raised his hand and then maybe took it down. But um, that was the only question for the show, and uh, I did a worksheet there near the end. So have a wonderful show. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. Today is Friday, February the 3rd, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And uh, while I'm waiting on Michael to dial in, I'll just say I've worked on the website most of this morning. I've added a new page. The notes for all of this is going to be in the notes for today. The new seven-step current short form, um, it was the newest one, and then Michael had edited it um, based on the conversations over the last couple days with Jack and going through the worksheet. So now both the current seven-step and the seven-step Step short can be directly accessed from just one click and you can get them both as a JPEG or a PDF and then from that page you can also go to um, pick up all the other reality management wake-up sheets because there's probably 20 different ones but the short form on that's just whyagain.org forward slash wake-up sheet and that'll take you directly to where you can access the current seven step and the seven step short that we just edited yesterday and like I said, you can get them both either as a JPEG, which is a picture, or as a PDF format and download them. There's also, um, Michael had written or edited, as, boy, I'm stuttering here. Okay, Michael had edited, it was called A Free Course in Holistic Self-Healing, Living as Love is Better. And so that edited version of that article is now on the website in seven different sections. So I put it on there and then put links to the one page. You can find it under more, news, in Michael's Word, um, Michael Rice Courses, Forgiveness Tools, Healing Mind, Body, and Spirit, and then also in the notes for today. And there is a new section, a new menu item uh, under healing that's called Michael Rice Courses. And in the future, there will be a link to whyagain.org Michael Rice Courses Hopefully, we'll get it set up to where online courses can be accessed from there um, for a fee. So that'll help maybe um, increase some income. But in the meantime, if you click on that, you can go to uh, several things. You can get a description of the intensive courses that we do, like the Why Is This Happening to Me Again, um, Codependence to Interdependence, Healing Through Relationships, whatever. It lists all of the courses that we do or have done as workshops or whatever and so you can pick that up so if you if you go under healing and michael rice courses you can pick up the course descriptions you can pick up this article living as love is better and you can also pick up the schedule where you'll be able to see what we're going to do live at heartland this summer and so all of that's accessible from that one place and uh, I'm not sure what else I did today. But anyway, there's some changes on the website. So go out, look around. If you find something's not working, please let me know what link so I can fix it. And at this time, I'm going to welcome Michael. Awesome work. Your genius with computers is amazing, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And beyond that, I appreciated the... Uh, the willingness of uh, the gentleman that we worked with yesterday to uh, to really yield and let go of some old power person dynamics and to entertain a new way to approach conflict situations in his life. It's powerful to watch that willingness and that uh, 
that shift happening. And when you realize that if you hold a newborn child, you'll find a universal experience and at the other end of that newborn child, that newborn little form, if you tap into the essence of the newborn, you find that what is there is active present love. Everybody's descriptors the same. And it doesn't matter who came into the world. We all came in exactly the same way. And we came into a world that then literally brainwashed us to function out of something other than experiencing ourselves as present love and using that love to fuel every decision, every thought, to fuel our physiology, to fuel our speaking, and to fuel literally our presence in the world. And, you know, the the bottom line is we've been ripped off for the truth of who we are. And my take at this point is that there's one reason that there is conflict and suffering in the world, starvation, all of the crazy stuff that's going on, all of the abuse, the wars, is because once someone gets... lost in that shift into hostility and fear unless they've got the tools with which to remove the hostility and fear they're stuck there and out of that comes all the violence all the conflict all of it and so one simple tool can rectify all of that one simple tool if used will literally empower us to go into or uncover the empowerment that's already in us to touch into the truth of who we are and to function out of that presence of love. But if I'm frustrated, angry, annoyed, enraged, afraid, lonely, lost, whatever, seemingly upset about this not working that way and that not working this way and this not being the way I wanted, then I respond out of my wounds and blame others. And that circumstance I would offer is always an opportunity for me to heal the pain constructs of my own mind and body and nervous system. And sadly, if I hold unresolved trauma within, it's just too easy to put the underlying energies of that trauma into my brain's internally constructed perceptual images of others. Pretending they're the cause. In this way, my mind's trauma or pain-based interpretation of events appears to me to be the truth. leads away from understanding what is really true. And there's, we, we mistake interpretation for fact. And there's no healing until we can tell fact from interpretation, reality from actuality. You know, at every moment of our lives, there's what's actually going on in the world, and then there are the realities output by our minds, the constructs of our minds. We've suggested before, and if you haven't been part of those conversations, you know, put in the uh, search bar on YouTube, Anil, A-N-I-L, Seth, S-E-T-H. 
and he explains precisely how perception is nothing but a construct of the mind. And if we make our perception, if we make literally the world generated by the brain, the world that we see, that we think we're looking at through our eyes, but that's a lie, if we make our perception about somebody else, then we lock ourselves into a mind that can only replicate the past, and that way we get stuck in the why is this happening to me again mode. You say, well, I know a person who's just such a genius. Man, you should see them, what they can do, how they can figure things out. So, so their minds can't be in error. Excuse me. The genius, where they're a genius, is awesome. But the genius who accepts the mind's interpretations for facts is just as dumb as anybody else when it comes to what they've not resolved in their minds. And they'll traumatize and they'll destroy their own bodies and the people around them, even though on the next project they're an absolute genius. Being a genius doesn't mean you've resolved any of the dynamics underlying the trauma in your life. And when you realize that and you apply the tool of forgiveness, then you get to remove those trauma-based interpretations and you get to apply your genius to more and more places in your life. But if every time something comes up in you that re you think requires your interpretation, this, this requires my defense, this requires me to protect myself, then back into blame and we get stuck in that, why are they doing this to me again? Unwilling to be responsible, we're stuck in the feelings generated by the reality the mind's showing us and perceptions from the past that keep us stuck. If I need to defend my reality and make it true about others, rather than admit it's mine, the unresolved conflicts of the past are still running my life. So if you find yourself going into pain and upset where love is not present, that's the opportunity to apply the tool of forgiveness. You know, the gentleman that did that worksheet yesterday, if you remember the descriptors at the beginning, were rage and yell and abandon and dread and fear. And by questioning those things, and, and you know, just think about it, has anybody ever accused you of saying something you absolutely never said or doing something you absolutely never did? Of course, everybody, when I ask that question in the audience, laughs about it and raise their hand. Yes, we've all had that happen. Notice the state that the person who accused you of doing something that you never did, notice the state they were in. It's always some form of hostility or fear. Now, the average person sees that about everybody else, but when their mind's in hostility or fear, they don't believe that they're in error. They believe the constructs of their minds. And that means that the past is still running them. Many, if not all, of our wounds and therefore our pain come from genetically inherited traumas. Multi-generational assaults reinforced through the unconscious actions generation after generation after generations, stored and repeated ad nauseum. Each pain perceptual construct of the mind appears to be different 
but all of them are based on that hidden dissociated trauma that when activated obscures the subtle permanently available experience of ourselves as love. And what forgiveness does is it resolves those pain-based energetic dynamics So why is this happening to me again? Or why are they doing this to me again? And you'll notice that whatever your why is this happening to you again, that you were doing at 10 or at 12 or 15 or 18 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, each time you were sure it was that other person. And just like today, you're sure it's that other person and it's your mind lying to you. Because when the mind is generating constructs out of any form of hostility or fear, it's utilizing corrupt data to build those constructs. So what we're looking to do with forgiveness and, and the signal that the mind's using corrupt data is that there's some form of hostility or fear involved. You really don't need to look beyond the construct of your mind. You don't need to try to figure out who did what or who's right or who's wrong or who, 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 what, 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 what happened. All you have to know is there's hostility or fear at the root of my perceptual construct at this moment, and therefore my mind is using corrupt data and lying to me. And I want to be restored to the truth of who I am. And what forgiveness does is removes what's not you. So the blocks to the awareness of ourselves as love are never imposed from the outside. They're internal and removable. All healing and the return to love is a strictly inside job. When you realize that every construct of your mind is autobiographical, it tells you first and foremost what's going on inside of you. And until those generational traumas are removed and healed, we're easily tricked into believing the false pictures and perceptions generated by our minds. Again, check out that uh, video by Anil Seth. It's a TED Talk, A-N-I-L-S-E-T-H. And as long as we believe something outside of us is cause, rather than just the trigger of what's moving within, we literally inhabit a world of lies don't come from the pictures our mind generates. They come from the underlying internally generating energies. And that's always self-imposed. Blamers who insist that others are the problem in their lives would really do well to understand denial. The act of thinking or speaking is so something outside of us is the cause of what's moving on the inside. Because what happens is denial results in instant dissociation, the hiding of truth, which blocks the awareness of one's own internal dynamics, and that results in an unnatural condition called an unconscious mind. Blame, I would offer, is the most serious of character defects because it leaves one living in an hallucination that contains no truth. Blame is the father of liars. So that unconscious dynamic, when it's hidden, 
is unreachable and unchangeable. Carl Jung talks about this unconscious source of seemingly unavoidable repeating painful experiences. And he explains that we need to resolve, we need to deal with those old familial habits and be restored to truth. He says it very simply. Everything that appears to irritate us about others can lead to understanding of oneself. Whatever is rejected from the self appears through blame in the world, called perception, as an event. We meet ourselves and our projections on others time and again in a thousand disguises on the path of life, he says. Until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. So ultimately, to live a true human life, we must put an end to the multi-generational fantasy of victimhood through blame that many mistakenly swear is true. The truth is, we're not victims, we're creators. And when one's in that victim mode, the words that echo in their minds and out of their mouths are things like, you made me mad, sad, afraid, hurt. You're the reason this is moving in me. Well, you know, somebody else may be the reason something's moving in you. Somebody else resonated. But they're not the reason that it's in you in the first place. So someone can come along and resonate what we haven't dealt with. But that someone else isn't the cause of what it is we haven't dealt with. And they give us a gift of showing us what we need to look at. And they're the things that are most urgent to look at. Because the, you know, when you recognize that your physiology is an energy system, if we listen to Einstein where he says, on such things as matter, we've been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. You don't have a material body. You have an energetic body. And relative to that energetic body, there are basically two qualities of energy. There's that which builds it up and that which tears it down. And hostility and fear tell you that you're tearing yourself down. Of course, then the question becomes, how do we make the unconscious conscious? Tools for reliably opening what in the ancient teachings was called the veil of the temple. The temple being this body. You know, the veil of the temple is not a purple curtain in the church. It's a barrier between which beneath, pardon me, which we keep our pain hidden. And it's by opening that veil, that barrier, that we can remove the assault energy. And the tools for doing that have been around for over 2,000 years now. Literally, what forgiveness does is it opens a barrier between the subconscious and the unconscious mind. Process how forgiveness uncovers and removes what we've hidden. And, of course, it's been hidden through denial. And it's hidden in the one place. It's guaranteed you're always going to get to deal with it. It's within. So when the forgiveness tool originally appeared, it was, here's how you get into your own unconscious and clean it out. The Greeks came along and misinterpreted and said, no, this is how you let somebody else off the hook because that's moving in you. 
And literally with that errant directive, the simple technology of removal of forgiveness was lost. We're convinced we need to be forgiven. You see people driving around bumper stickers on their car, I've been forgiven. No, you haven't. You're never going to be forgiven because forgiveness isn't about how you're going to be let off the hook by God or your friend or your enemy or anybody else. The language is about I need to forgive, remove from my mind and from my genes what never belonged. And that takes responsibility. To be able to remove it, you have to be responsible for it. If you really believe that it's somebody else's, you can never get rid of it. Because, of course, it's theirs. So letting somebody else outside of us off the hook for what's going on inside of us will never rid us of our experience of internally generated hurt, upset, or pain. Outer-directed acts don't bring correction to internally generated dynamics. And if you want that visceral opening that facilitates the flow of light and love into every instant of your life and every hurt dynamic within your memory, forgiveness is how to do it. Forgiveness collapses perception and leaves a clean and open space within your mind where love is present and the unconscious dynamic is allowed to come forward as it is. And in that instant, there's the removal of that pain energy. There's the transmutation of it. So when we start to interpret pain or turmoil as an invitation to end denial, to learn and to apply forgiveness, then everything changes. Perception, the world we think we see with our eyes, is an holographic projection of the mind. There's no life in it, and we see nothing with our eyes, we see with our brains. So elevating the quality of our perceptual constructs becomes one of the objects of the work. The experience of the presence of love in one's physiology indicates the mind's on track. And any form of fear or hostility is indicated the mind is using corrupt data to build its projections rather than reflect accurate information about the actuality that we're living in. When we take unconscious content and make pictures of others of it, that's called projection. So the act of building realities out of internal content and pretending that the hologram presented by our mind, that image is actually out there, is projection. Each hologram of the mind is nothing more than a construct of the mind and there's no life in it. So the purpose of this whole body of work is to offer a set of brain cells through which to see 
life truly to move out of interpretation into fact and to recognize when something's distorting the constructs of our minds and bring correction to those distortions. It's a simple tool. However, it's not an easy tool, mainly because, my take, one of the main reasons is because we've all been taught for so long that forgiveness is about how I'm going to let you off the hook. Or I'm going to let myself off the hook. I talked to someone the other day and explained the whole idea that forgiveness is about going inside and changing the content of your mind. And the guy says, yeah, well, I've already forgiven myself. It's not about forgiving yourself. It's not about forgiving anybody else. It's about giving up the blame game, taking ownership, taking responsibility, and removing from your mind what never belonged. And what never belonged in human physiology is any form of hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, drama, or trauma. And you'll notice that those patterns, which are often and usually generational, when your power person did them to you, you had all kinds of negative descriptors for what they did. But when you do it to somebody else, your descriptors are positive. It's protecting you. It's good for you. Pull out and play out a power person dynamic on someone else. It's just as destructive to them as it was when your power person did it to you. So in a nutshell, that's the work of forgiveness. As he said, we've refined the worksheet, and I'm not 100% sure at this moment, because this, is, this new worksheet is a new project that we've just completed, come the main worksheet that we'll use in the future teaching of why is this happening to me again. So pick up a copy of it. Jeannie's got it in the, uh, in the notes today, and it's available under worksheets on the website. It's the worksheet that we did the last two days with the gentleman that called in with Jack. And we're here to support you understanding it, integrating it, using it, and shifting your physiology, shifting your life. And feeling blessed, we have the opportunity to do that. So, Miss Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up? Anything happening in the chat room? Um, no, on both occasions. However, um, I came into Dr. Tim's call a little bit late, but I think that what you were just going over might also help clarify for Dusty. He was asking questions, so I'm going to turn his microphone back on here in just a second. I've also, in the notes for today, um, that Anil Seth video that you were talking about is now on our YouTube channel, so I put the link in there for that uh, so they can go directly to it. And um, then also the what I thought of as you were describing the how to make the unconscious conscious is the PowerPoint, which is also on our YouTube channel, uh, goes through and talks about the unconscious, the subconscious, and the conscious, and so that is a short video that would also help explain that. And then I put in the right. link for the filters of the mind. But um, 
one of the things that, and Dusty, I'll turn your mic on and then let you clarify, but if I heard what you were asking Dr. Tim right was about opposites and life experiences, and Dr. Tim used the example of some people who have had a difficult life, yet they can be like helpful and kind or whatever, and yet the opposite is also true that some people who have had a miserable life spread their misery. So it's it's sort of like the what you were just talking about, depending on their content. Uh, how they're going, their perception, and how they're going to see things, and how they're going to respond. Correct. Right. Yes, I am. Okay. Am I on? Turned your mic on. If it, if it you're was more on, than what sir. I just said, please clarify. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, yes, and uh, I, I guess my, my, and my initial question to him was that, um, it, it was that um, it seems, and of course, this is just a general perception it's not always true but that um, a lot of people I know that have had really tough trauma uh, early on that worked through it seem to have um, I don't know a more depth or more empathy than of course those that just stay in the, the, the same darkness and pass it on and uh, I just wondered if, uh, if 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 you see that as well, uh, if you understand kind of what I'm saying a little bit and can speak to any of that, that's fine. But yes, that's that was right, Jeannie. Thank you. Yeah, my take, uh, Dusty, and it's good to hear from you, is Thanks. that when we work through and and have the insight, when we're able to comprehend the why and what of another's destructive behavior that comes from the uh, one of the aspects of being you know what the main one being love but the other one's compassion and that compassion opens up that i can can see and understand and i don't have to be in that you know blame game with them i can understand where it came from doesn't mean i don't hold them accountable for it but I don't have to be in some form of rage or blame in order to own and to hold that space of compassion. And where that space of compassion is, there's also love. And when love is there, then healing happens for everybody involved. That line in the worksheet, when I choose love, it wakes up to love in everyone. Right. So I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I'm I'm in full agreement on that. Yes. would you say that you had a uh, – uh, well, of course, you had a lot of – you had some physical difficulties when you were young. Were your uh, parents, et cetera, were they pretty much um, supportive in some way? Or man, If I can be yeah. – I don't mean to be overly personal. But. Yeah. No, no, that's – no. No, actually, my parents uh, were extremely supportive. That's one thing I have to hand. My dad was pretty heavy-handed, and, you know, the – there was some brutality there, but at the same time, there was never any question that with, and I look at what I put my parents through with the sickness that I had, it was just horrendous when I think of that now. I have, I have great compassion for them and uh, just you know, right. imagining what it must have been like. But both of my parents, it, there was never any question that, you know, I was going to get the best care possible. So that was a, a fortunate blessing for me. I'm glad for that. I um, I, I walked into a, a stepdad who was a complete rageaholic, 
and couldn't find anywhere to take it out on, on, on me because I was extra bad. You were the object of attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lucky me, huh? Uh, the the good thing ever... is he never laid a hand on my sister. Yeah. Did you ever uh, get to hear any of his abuse, what what happened to him? Um, was that no, ever but I presented? No, I mean, he, he wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't even know what, what you had just said, you know. But, um, yeah, I can track it back, uh, and I can see kind of where he came from. And his dad, honest to God, was was the cold. I mean, he was the coldest man. I mean, I'd look at him, and he was just like, Every time he and I, when I was a little kid, you know how you can perceive things in a particular way. All the way up, he was always just like an iceberg. Nothing, zero, mm-hmm. no emanation yeah. of, of anything warm. And um, uh, plus, he had, I think, seven brothers that were over overachievers ahead of him. And he was the youngest, so you know, and he just he felt kicked, and um, he got in over his head. And I, I was the uh, Can you imagine seven older brothers, what kind of brutality he probably had to take as a kid? Yeah, and I know just a little bit. I mean, the one brother that was closest to his age was the one that was tasked with keeping a hold of him when he, you know, as the youngest. And he would play tricks on him all the time. I mean, he wasn't a mean brother. But he was, um, should we say, he had a little bit of the trickster in him there. And um, uh, my stepdad did not understand that at all. It just looked like, I don't know, he just, it just made him feel less than. And I, I get right. it. And, and, and Michael, I remember the first time that, that this uh, stepdad, who was, by the way, one of the three strongest men I've ever known in my life. And uh, um, my little sister's in the hospital being born, and I'm playing with something, and I look up on the floor, like little trucks or something, and I look up, and here's this really tall guy towering over me. I don't even know the guy. I I mean, I was introduced to him once, and um, uh, my mom was like that. And... um, uh, I could see, see his arms moving around, and I could hear that there were sounds, and but I couldn't really understand what he said. I couldn't even I couldn't even perceive it. It was so far outside of my paradigm, and um, such as it was. But I looked up at him, and all I went, "Oh, this guy wants to hurt me." And mm. I went, "Huh? How about that?" I, I didn't even. You know, I, this guy wants to hurt me, and he and, and then he started. And it was very sadistic. It was never sexual, but it was brutal and it was sadistic. And I can only tell you that I feel so blessed because I, for whatever reasons, I don't seem to have hate born in me. You know what I mean? And I look at this guy, and as big and dark and scary, and I mean painful as it was being around him and uh, right. dread for years and years, I knew it, right off the bat, as I was looking up at this guy that wants to hurt me, I knew that he was just pathetic. That was the word that came to my little mind. This guy's mm. pathetic. 
And I couldn't hate him for being pathetic. And I just you know, never did. And and that's why I'm still alive, Michael. I know I've been dead by now. If I, I got it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I hear you. Well, I think back to, you know, the early days in Atlanta going back 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, when I think of you, there was always that sweet spirit around you, that sweet energy around you. And, you know, when and I didn't know any of this back then. But I think about it now, and it's pretty amazing that you carried yourself the way you did. That's pretty well, amazing. I, I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that because um, I've heard different people's takes on me back in the day, and I'm always a little surprised because I was just charging ahead. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but even uh, – do you remember Cheryl Coffey, my girlfriend at the time back then? I, I do. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, in the late 90s, uh, a little voice came in my head and just, I mean, honest to God, just like this. And it's not the only time it's happened, but it went, call Cheryl. Call. And I thought, I haven't even seen her in 40 years, you know, <laughs> or whatever it's been, you know, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Or, and and I didn't even know where to start. And then I remember her mother's last name and I I mean, you want to talk about kismet. I um, just called the only possible number that it could have been. And her mother's deaf. She never answers the phone. It just so happened Cheryl was visiting that day, walked by the phone when it rang and picked it up. Mm-hmm. And she had cancer, and cervical cancer, and she was in pretty big denial about it. But I wound up going to Atlanta and... Um, trying to help her, she was in hospice, trying to help her by the time I got there and trying to do whatever I could to be a a loving, you know, spiritual, you know, so to speak, um, support for her. And and she said something to me a little bit like what you said, and it it knocked me over. I, I didn't expect it. She said... Thank you. You were always so nice to me. And I went, mm. huh? I was? I, I mean, I wasn't trying to be nice. You know what I mean? I was just, I don't know. I, I can look back now and see where I could have been a whole lot nicer. I mean, a lot more of, of her. But, you know, nonetheless, um, that was her take. And, and uh, I have to say, I, there's very little in my life that I you know, do over, do over, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, right. I, right. Uh, but, but in the last few days, her energy or whatever has come up in me as nostalgia, the point where I, I was listening to this, some music that we used to listen to and I, I couldn't take it. I mean, I was, whoo, I was starting to lose it here mm-hmm. last night or before. And, um, but anyway, yeah, and, um, um, so I, I, so I did that thing at the hospice and, um, and, uh, oh, oh my goodness. I, I go down to the beach and play, uh, some other stuff on my horn often. And, and, uh, you know, it's a two part thing. It's, it's, well, for me, it's more of a, a benediction or, um, or just a prayer, but it's 
it's for the fallen and for valor in all walks of life. And I guess I wanted to uh, just leave with that point was that, um, boy, valor comes in a lot of forms, does it not? Mm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I sat in a room for uh, almost, yeah, it was almost two years with, uh, I think there was typically nine women and me. And they were all incest survivors, as they were call, called, and although some of them were not uh, surviving. And um, it was, oh, God, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I thought I did. I just got myself sidetracked. I found something. Sounds like some powerful healing space is created. It was, and it was, I was, I just felt so honored to be invited into this group. I was the only guy. And mm-hmm. I didn't have sexual issues, but I had big issues, and I was willing to work on them. And everybody got to, and it's, and I, I know you can relate. You probably do this, facilitated yourself, but you know we had a woman named Jean Jensen who was a facilitator, and she would just keep everything on track. And everybody got to go around the circle, and they got to unload. I mean, wail if they had to, and everybody just held the space, uh, should we say, sacred or uh, for them, and including me. And uh, I am so grateful for opportunities like that. And um, yeah. but I'm still alive. I'm amazed. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed, you know. <laughs> Joining you in appreciation. Yeah, man. And anyways, I don't know where I'm going with all that particularly, but uh, yeah, it's just, Appreciate um, what you're doing there. And I, I wanted to say one thing about Jeannie. I, I'm just gobsmacked when I, when we, you, we start a program and you go, oh, yeah, I did this, that, and the other, and you did all this dancing around on the Internet, and you changed this and you changed that, and you got this up and down and around, and I go, wow. I don't even like you. checking my emails. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> She's amazing at it. And, and, and I agree with your line about her about being a genius, and and and, and that where I'm ultimately going with this is that I can, I believe I hear an enthusiasm in your voice, Jeannie, a passion for this. And, it's actually and, more like, hey, I got it done. Because <laughs> oh, okay. I doubt myself a lot of times when I'm starting one of these projects. <laughs> Oh yeah, celebration. Yeah, I, yeah, I know that. But uh, darn, it's nice. It's 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 nice to be able to pull off something like that. I feel the same way a little bit about uh, music. You know, it's, it might be a, uh, something might be really hard at the beginning, but if I plug at it long enough, I'll eventually get it. And um, so I appreciate that, and uh, both of you. And I don't really have much more to say. Maybe there's somebody else out there, but. Um, it's just nice to hear your voice. Awesome. Appreciate the input. Appreciate the thoughts. One of the things you uh, you resonate for me, Dusty, is uh, back, oh, this is probably 25 years ago at Heartland, we were doing an intensive. And there was a man in the intensive who acknowledged that he had been sexually abusive with women. And there were three women who had been sexually abused. And he 
I mean, he was really courageous in owning what he had done. And they made the request of him. Yeah, that was big. But they made the request of him, would he be willing to be the space, quite literally, that they unloaded on? Oh, wow. And... And and he agreed and did that, and it was one of the most powerful, one of the most profound sessions I have ever seen. And the four of them ended up in tears and hugging, and just the the <laughs> the end result for for everybody, for him having had the space to confess, which he did, and for these three women to have the space to just unleash and unload and and he just breathed and held the space and was there to brings up some emotion for me to watch the appreciation at the completion point of that process of of everybody that was in there and was just monumental oh that's that's uh, beautiful And, and what strikes me about that is the fact that he got clear enough and I don't know, removed whatever whatever he had to from himself enough that these the ladies evidently could perceive this or they wouldn't have bared their souls with him. Yeah, he, he created a, a super powerful safe space just by owning his mistakes and what he had done and his remorse for it. Yeah. It was just monumental. Yeah. And and, so. and and my Experience. I, I don't know um, any kind of a trauma that I have seen manifest in people. Uh, you know, I, I mean, at least as, as a younger one, as uh, uh, girls that were molested. I, after spending some time, I mean, I just that. So what you're saying is extra powerful to me. I always thought that. Uh, it's you know um, a, a real molestation of, of a, a little girl or a boy or whatever. Um, it's like second degree murder is what I how it, how it hit me after. It's time. like soul murder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And so kudos to this guy and to those gals. Mm. Well, you know every space that opens for healing. It opens a little wider for everybody who's carrying that issue. So, you know, there's a great, great thought in the Course in Miracles that says millions yet unborn will benefit from the work you do. And so, to me, that's one of the the great reasons for continuing to move forward and keeping moving through the layers to to open that space for those who otherwise would never do it on their own. Oh, that's beautiful. I remember uh, that's a kind of a little bit of a spin that I hadn't quite looked at quite that way, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to take that one with me forward. And, uh, yeah, I think each one of us is willing make- to do a piece of work. It's it's like we open the energy window for everyone else who hasn't handled that. You know, um, you know imagine we've got a glass sliding door and it won't open. If somebody comes along and opens that door, it's easier for everybody to open the door. And uh, I think that's what happens when we face any issue, whether it's a parental abuse issue or a bankruptcy issue, a death issue, whatever it is, that we we open that space, that energy window for 
the active presence of love and light to come into that space for everyone. Gotcha. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, I'm going to need to sign off. I need to get somewhere. All right, my friend. Uh, but Have a blessed one. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye, you guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Hmm. So awesome, the people we get to play with and the work that uh, that we get entrusted with. It's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So we've got about 10 minutes left. If you're out there in listener land, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, call in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you're listening to the show directly. And if you push one, we'll be having a conversation. So let's have a conversation. What has uh, resonated for you so far with what we've been speaking of? And how can we support you? What's on your mind? 563-999-3581. Push one. Let's talk. We have nine minutes. Any other thoughts for you, Jeannie? Hmm. No. Not right off. I thought of the the little story that you tell about the person going into town and asking the man sitting on the porch what the people are like in that town. And... uh, the guy on the porch says, well, how were the people in the previous town? And he says, oh, they were wonderful and they were nice and they were kind. And he says, well, that's how the people in this town are or how you'll find the people in this town. And then he says, uh, then another guy comes through and asks the same question. And he says, well, how were the people in the last town you were in? And he says, oh, they were awful. They were hateful. They were mean. They were, you know, not very nice. And, He goes, well, that's how you're going to find the people here, too. So it's always how you see that you don't see with your eyes, as Aria says. You see with your brain. Exactly. And she uses that a lot lately in anything. She says, well, like yesterday, um, I was taking her home, and she mentioned a place. It was We Rock at the Spectrum. And I said, she said, you know what that is? And I'm like, no, what is it? She's like, it's that place, you know, that we went to play. And I'm like, how did you remember the name of it? And she says, my brain told me. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty amazing. So if you're out there in listener land, do you have a thought for us, a question, an answer, something to share, a powerful worksheet that you've done, a question on the worksheet? Question on the codependence dynamic, on creating consciously, healing through relationships, communication, did you hear what I think I said, purpose, personal power, commitment, questions on anything that we've done, naturopathic keys to health. Well, I'm complete with my monologue at this aspect at this point, so if nobody else has a question for us today then perhaps we'll call the show and say thank you for joining us and 
hold the space that everybody has the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. You can give it. The world needs it. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.